When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. We acknowledge the traditional owners of country throughout Australia and recognise their continuing connection to land, waters and culture. We pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging. Welcome to This Song Is Yours, a music podcast where we chat to a new guest each week, talk about their life and creative endeavours, and talk to them about some of the music they love. Our show works by chatting to our guests about music, their songwriting techniques, and occasionally getting them to make you a playlist of the songs they love. Welcome to episode 208. I'm your host, Simon Fink. Our guest today is Lila Drew. Their LA-raised singer-songwriter composes beautifully intricate pop songs and today is releasing her debut record, which is entitled All the Places I Could Be. In today's episode, we're speaking with Lila about playing music from an early age, juggling college and her career, and how self-discovery factors into her songwriting. Here we go. Our guest today is an English-born, LA-raised musician and artist. Currently studying at Yale, the pop singer and songwriter releases her debut record today, which is entitled All the Places I Could Be. Please welcome to This Song Is Yours, Lila Drew. Hello, how are we? Hi, I'm good. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Uh, Where are you joining us from today, Lila? I'm joining from my sweet mate's room. I go to college um, in New Haven, Connecticut. Yeah. Lovely. I did and read. And she very kindly has a, oh, sorry, sorry. Um, I'm just saying she kindly has a much quieter and, you know, room by herself. So amazing. <laughs> Look, I can very much appreciate that. I was going to get uh, to your studies a little bit later in, in the discussion. I know that yeah. you are currently at Yale. Um, and I, yeah, I do want to talk about that a little bit. Um, but to begin with, just for people who are listening, we are here today to talk about your brand new debut record, All the Places I Could Be, which is out yeah. as of today. Congratulations, firstly. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's so very wild. Very, very wild. <laughs> well, that's what I was going to ask. How are you feeling? I know that um, some of these songs have been coming out for the last year or so. It is the debut record, how, how, I guess, are there nerves? Are you excited? What, what's going through your mind at this time? Yeah, I think a lot of my friends have been asking me this question, as you can imagine. And, um, I think that generally, and I'm not trying to be a downer, I'm very, very, very excited, (laughs) but I do think for me, um, nervousness and like anxiety is a much more powerful emotion than excitement. Um, so I'm experiencing a lot of, yeah, I think really it's so surreal. And I mean, anyone who, who knows me would understand. I'm so sorry. I live on a very loud street um, and we have crazy, my like motorcycle situations here. I'm like on the third floor with all the windows closed. Anyway. Um, 
anyone who knows me knows that I'm unbelievably obsessed with albums. It's, albums. it's the only way that I consume music. Um, it's the only way I've ever consumed music. Like I'm really not a playlist girl. I just listen to albums from beginning to end. And that's sort of always how I've, um, consume music. And I'm also such a massive, massive, massive fan of, of music before anything else. So it's just crazy to be putting out a project that I feel like is realized from beginning to end and that is so intentional and that, you know, I spent so long working on with so many people. Um, and yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. It's also just crazy. Like I wrote it between the ages of 18 and 21. I'm 22 now. Um, so like talk about documenting the literal most important years of my life. Not my life, but of my sort of life thus far. Um, of course. So it's just it's just crazy. It's crazy, and it's very personal, and um, that makes me nervous. But I hope people like it, and um, it's really exciting, you know, hearing that people like it. And it was exciting hearing people, you know, talk about it before it came out. So it's all just crazy. Yeah. <laughs> of course. Well, very quickly, just to address what you said at the top, I feel like. You wouldn't be a true artist if there was nerves and anxiety overriding the assignment. I think that is the sign of a true musician. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> but it is. It is exciting. This is a beautiful collection of songs. Um, I can you. very much appreciate an artist's artist in terms of loving an album and not the playlist. I wanted to touch on what you just mentioned at the end, that the fact that this was kind of a snapshot or a time capsule of a very formative time in your life. It is, those are very important years mm. and you've now got this record, which is almost documenting that. Mm. How did you find, I guess, songwriting through that time and, and working out what was going to work as, as in terms of like the content of a song and, and whether it was something that you think would still be resonant with you even six mm. months or 12 months down the track? Yeah, that's a really interesting way to put it because I think that's exactly how I was thinking about it. Like the, that was the question I was asking myself um, in the process of, of writing this record. And I think that, I mean, I think number one, I was trying my hardest, you know, above everything else to like be honest to myself um, and to like the, you know, place I was in mentally, physically in my life at that point in time. And I wrote most of it between leaving high school. Um, I took some time off before coming to college and then like being in college. And um, yeah, it was a really like interesting sort of gray area in terms of where I was at in my life. And um, a lot of the record is really about, you know, feeling like I don't have stories that are worth telling, you know, and, so much of the process was me trying to figure out what was worth saying and what was not. And most of what like was original to me, I really felt like was not worth saying. Um, and I think that's part partially because I just really felt like I had been, you know, in a studio for the past five years at that point. Um, and that I really had no real lived experiences out of like my mind and I'm a very like cerebral person and um, I felt like I was just like living in my head for like many, many years. And I remember talking to Sachi DeSerafino, who produced a lot of this album um, and who's one of my best friends sort of through that process. 
And he was like, Lila, you need to go do things and like make mistakes and go like get drunk at like, not that I, whatever I was 18, but <laughs> no need to get into that. But like, he was like, you need to go do things that scare you and like go do things that you're afraid of. And, um, I really felt like I'd been living within myself for so long and, um, didn't feel like any of my experiences were sort of, I don't know, either traumatic enough or out of the ordinary enough to write about. Um, so the whole process ended up one, you know, becoming about me talking about that. And, you know, it ended up being this sort of process about how to explain emotions through storytelling, um, which was really, was really interesting. And I don't think I'm writing like that as much at this current moment as I was when I was writing the record. And I was really interested in like personification of my own emotions and, you know, what does this emotion look like, sound like, you know, all of the things. And I don't know, a lot of it is just about some, about fear and about, um, the sort of cyclical nature of being a person who thinks the same way, you know, throughout most of their life and <laughs> about growing up and, um, yeah, trying to really be honest to my experiences and not, you know, write anything that was overly embellished or sort of romanticized or fantasized. Um, yeah, I don't know if that answers your question, but I think that's, that's the place from which I, I was writing it. And, um, now, you know, a few years down the line, especially from when I started working on the record or writing the record, I really do feel like I've lived a lot more. Um, and I'm 22, like I've, you know, I've barely lived at all. Um, but I do feel like I've lived a lot more and have a way better grasp on like how to translate my experiences into, you know, writing. But I also think this first record gave me so much confidence to tell myself like, yeah, you're whatever, you're like 10 minutes of weird experience with this person is like <laughs> worth you documenting. Um, and yeah, I, I think I like, I needed, I needed to write this record that was really just about, you know, me looking at myself in, a, in an honest way. I think that you've done very well in doing that. I feel that the record is beautiful snapshots of kind of these moments of your life mm -hmm. from, from an outsider's perspective, obviously. We can't understand fully. But um, one thing I did love about some of the album as well was that uh, some of the tracks had certain sonics that were, I believe that they were like demos or like outtakes that were kind of left in that I feel made the tracks feel a little bit more homely, a little bit more... Um, well-worn, mm. if that makes sense, a little bit more familiar. Yeah. Was that what you were trying to kind of get across with, including little bits and pieces like that? Yeah. Um, to be honest, I hadn't had a lot of, a lot of those elements were not in the record um, when I brought it to be mixed. And Tom Elmhurst, who's incredible, um, and mixed this record, and it was such a joy and honor to work with him. Um, and I'm so shocked that he liked the album. I'm still shocked that he liked the album, but, um, he was the one, he was like, I think you need some things in between some of these songs to let people, you know, into your world a little bit more. Um, 
And something that I was thinking about while making a lot of the record and not to sound like totally pretentious, um, not to sound like an asshole, but I <laughs> love, I loved this idea. It's a film, film technique, um, from like sort of like Soviet era, um, filmmaking of like exposing the medium, like by which the, you know, film or whatever in that case is being made with, um, through the actual film. So these films would have like scenes of the film and then scenes of, you know, people on the cutting room floor cutting up, you know, film strips and pasting them together and editing it. And that would be sort of within the film and you'd get to see that process and expose the ways in which the film was made via the film. And I thought that was so interesting in the context of music um, and I talk about this a lot, but I think this record in a lot of ways is about, you know, exploration and aspiration and how do those things coexist? Do they coexist? Do they not? Um, you know, I think they're just like the two most sort of like important, you know, buckets of growing up, um, and sort of the emotions that go along with that. And I wanted people to get that sort of sense of exploration and that we were exploring me and all the people I worked with on the record that we were exploring what these songs meant via making the songs and that, you know, the ideas weren't realized when we started, they were only realized when we finished and often they weren't realized when we finished. And I think that, um, yeah, I really loved when Tom had brought that up about, you know, having these little bits and pieces and interludes or lack of a better word, whatever you want to call it, um, between the songs, because I felt like it really amplified what we were trying to do within the songs, which was to sort of leave in all of those discrepancies and all of the mistakes and all of the breaths and all of the things that you wouldn't do in a typical pop production. Um, yeah. And that was so fun and so exciting. And I think that is sort of where a lot of the humor and stuff in the record comes in. And I know I'm talking all serious and stuff, but there is so much humor in the record. And I don't think I'm like such a serious person in my life. So that was a really important part of it. And, you know, trying to make people feel like we were, we're right there and like we're in the room next door making the record was sort of the goal. Well, I think that you achieved that goal very well. I feel that the record, as I mentioned, it does feel kind of like lived in, well-worn. Um, and even mm. now speaking with you, I can see that I think that that was very intentional. You do seem like you're very articulate and very uh, particular with your choice of words, which I think even now makes me rethink the way that I listen to the record and, and I guess wanting mm. to go back and kind of re-listen to certain tracks and I guess the intentional choices made. Um, I was wondering if you'd allow me to be a little bit selfish yeah, please. and ask about <laughs> ask about my favourite track on the record. I really loved the track Lucky. I thought it was a beautiful track mm. um, and I was wondering whether you'd be able to give us a little bit of a peek behind the creative process or where that song came from. Yeah, um, that's so funny because I feel like that's never a track that people pick out and I'm, I'm <laughs> so happy that you like that one. I really like that song. Um, yeah, that song is so interesting. I've been working with Sachi, um, who I mentioned previously, 
for, I think we were locked in a room together for about five weeks. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. And we had only met like twice before we decided to do that, which is probably a mistake. <laughs> and Sach and I really have like such a familial, um, like sort of sibling relationship. And we wanted to absolutely murder each other by the end <laughs> um anyway but we had and we and we had made it at that point 2023 used to um and a few others but i can't remember and i remember we were sitting and listening to sort of all the songs as they stood at the time which were you know to- sounded totally different than they do now and Sasha and i are both like we need a song that feels a little more organic. I hate that word so much, but a little more organic, (laughs) a little more, um, natural, um, a little slower, a little more intimate. Um, and we wrote lucky together. And I think it was the first song that we'd really, really written together rather than, you know, him doing some of the like piano and me doing all the lyric and the melody. And it was, it was really collaborative. Um, but strangely, Lucky is like the most personal song on the album by Miles, which is so interesting because I feel like people would probably think it was like Moments, which is the last track, or Lila's Theme, um, which was the last single, or the yeah previous single from, from the record before it came out. And yeah, long story short, my parents um, went before I was born, like called me Lucky, like when I was in the womb. Um, and it was sort of, the song sort of became this like letter to myself as a kid. And, and I think I talked about this earlier. I was really, really interested in the idea of predictability. Um, a lot of the album is about that crystal ball probably being like, you know, the one most about it, like you're looking at the crystal (laughs) ball. It's pretty, you know, straightforward there. Um, but lucky was sort of. Yeah, this this meditation on on predictability as well, and the fact that I was really fearful that the ways in which I sort of behave will continue to be the ways that I'll behave forever, and that like as much as I can tell myself to change, that like I will never actually change. And I don't know if that's true or not, but that's certainly how I was feeling at the time. 
I felt like I wasn't doing a lot of things that would be good for me out of fear and out of anxiety, which is such a theme in my life and on the record. Um, yeah. And lucky sort of just took on a life of its own, but it's really a super diaristic song. It's like a letter from top to bottom. Um, yeah. And it's so cute. Sachi's girlfriend is whistling on it. She has like, I don't know if you heard that like really high pitched sound in the choruses. That's a whistle. She's unreal. She sounds like a bird, um, which (laughs) I I love. And yeah, it was also one of the first songs where we really played that song really guided the production of a lot of the rest of the record. Um, We played around a lot with sort of ambient sounds for the first time. Um, And that influenced so many of the other songs. And I ended up you know, revising Crystal Ball entirely, Lila's theme, Moments, What Are You Doing, all were like completely revised after, from a production perspective, after we made Lucky. Um, yeah. So I'm happy you asked about that song. I, it's a one that is really close to home for me. Well, I'm very, very appreciative that you shared that with us. So thank you. Um, I, I do, yeah. Thank you for letting us in. <laughs> um, yeah, sure. You mentioned your parents before. I know, I think if I've done my research correctly, you've been songwriting since you were around 10. Do you mm-hmm. remember what originally drew you to songwriting and and the art of yeah, yeah. crafting a song? Yeah, this is so ridiculous. I really, I really <laughs> like to sing a lot as a kid, which, you know, whatever. Um, I did choir and stuff. Like I love to sing as like a really young kid. Um, and I just thought that singers wrote songs. That was what drew me to songwriting. <laughs> I just thought this all singers wrote songs. And so I was like, okay, I like to sing. I'm going to write songs. And it just so happened that when I was whatever, I think at this point I'm probably eight. And so when I'm eight, it's like the dawn of Garage Bands, 2008. And like Garage Band is like <laughs> everything, it's brand new. And they had computers in my elementary school for the first time. Um, and I was able to like learn how to use Garage Band on my school computers. Like I'd go into like the computer lab and <laughs> do Garage Band. Um, and I'd write songs and record them and burn them onto CDs and like de- decorate the CDs with color Sharpie and give them to my parents. Like that's, that's how, what I was doing. Um, but yeah, they really just opened up a huge, I don't know, a whole world for me. Um, when I was, you know, understood that like there was a program that I could make my own songs on. And I always have loved to write, um, you know, not just songs. I love writing poetry. I write a lot of um, creative nonfiction prose as well. So it was writing was always a huge part of my life. Um, I don't really think it was such a conscious choice with songwriting. I was so young. Like, I don't think I really was like, this is my calling or like, this is what I need to do. Um, I just don't think I was thinking that deeply about it. I think I was more like, this is really fun. And then it took on sort of a life of its own, obviously. Um, but yeah, it was really, I, I love music more than anything in the world. And I know that's so cliche. And like, of course I love music more than anything. I'm a musician. Um, but I really like, I'm a music listener first and foremost. Um, yeah. And so that 
love music and I just grew up with so much music around, um, just sort of, I don't know, bred this larger, um, passion, I guess, for, for actually making music of my own. Of course. I, one, I don't think you're alone in that thought. I think a number of us have been disillusioned to think that all singers wrote their own songs and then at a certain age in your teenage years that glass is broken and you realise it might not be the case. Mm-hmm. Um, before, as we mentioned, you are currently studying at Yale. Are you studying, are you studying music? And I guess do people know that your, I want to say side hustle, side job? Um, is <laughs> my side hustle of, is school. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, my side hustle is school. Do they understand that you are a musician first and foremost? At school? Yes, sorry, yeah. Um, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> Not at all. Not at all. Oh, my God. People are very serious here in a lot of ways. Um, and, no, I've had to explain to my, my professors pretty much every semester that I've been here. I'm now, you know, this is, I'm in my third year um, here. But, yeah, I've had to explain every semester because there will be a time when I have to leave for a certain period of time and you know we'll have to explain like this is what I do outside of school and it's been met with different reactions some positive some less positive um but it is crazy to be at school and doing this especially with my album coming out um to be honest like my team would hate to hear this. I've had so much homework this week. Like I've had a ton of homework this week and you know, those things also have deadlines and I'm trying to take off some pressure, um, you know, off myself to like be performing so well in school because it's really so impossible, um, to perform at a high level in school and also, you know, be putting out my first album and working on other music and, you know, all the things that come with putting out a record. Um, but I'm really lucky in the sense that, you know, I'm able to do something that I absolutely love at this stage in my life and to be doing it, you know, at this level. And that's, you know, that's a, that's an opportunity that like I'd be in and I'd be an idiot to take school more seriously than that. Uh, look, I can very much appreciate that and very much, uh, love the fact that you are, both focused on your debut album coming out and homework. I think that is very <laughs> relatable. I think that <laughs> there's a number of yeah. people. Who, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm curious. And obviously once your studies are done um, and you're able to tour, it does seem like it's a bit of an obvious question, but can we expect to see you um, visiting us down here in Australia at any point to tour? Oh my God. I would love that so much. I hope so. I hope so. It's really in the works at the moment. And, um, I did a small tour over the summer in Europe that was absolutely incredible and literally had the time of my life. Um, and I love playing live and it's such an important part of this whole process. And so much of this record was written to be played live. And then the pandemic sort of happened as we were making it. Um, which feels like a lifetime ago now, but yeah, so much of it was really written to be, to be played by people, um, with instruments in their hands. So I'm, I'm hoping that that'll be part of the calculus, you know, very, very soon. It's tough cause I'm in school, so I don't have all the time in the world to, to leave. <laughs> um, but I would like to leave and tour. So yeah, that'd be awesome. 
of course, we'll hopefully we'll see graduate Lila Drew uh, here in Australia once you've finished with school. Um, yeah, Lila, or drop out, drop out Lila Drew would be fun too. <laughs> Either way, we get to see you, but we're hoping graduate, not drop out. But we'll regardless, yeah, we'll get to my see. My mom's you. gonna hear. My mom's gonna hear this. <laughs> um, Lila, lastly, we would usually ask, I guess, uh, what they're currently listening to. If there's anything at the moment that's on high rotation for yourself. Yeah. Um, I love the new Alex G album. I've been listening to that a lot. I'm a huge Alex G fan. Um, and I'm going to shout out, I guess, someone who worked a lot on this record. Um, Matt Hales, also known as Aqualung. He would hate me for saying it like that. Um, (laughs) but he is incredible. And he produced Bad Juice and Moments on this record and some of my earlier music, and I adore him so much. And he just put out a new album called Dead Letters, I think. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to 100% check that's what it's called. Because <laughs> I'd be, yeah, yeah, Dead Letters. Um, new record that came out a week ago, two weeks ago. Um, and it's absolutely gorgeous. I've been listening to that every day. Yeah, those. And I'm seeing the 975 tonight in Connecticut with my friends very and they're my exciting. favorite band. So I'm very excited about that. <laughs> well, we will put the link to Aqualung in the show notes, along with the link to your record. Awesome. Um, Lila, thank you so much for coming onto the podcast. Congratulations on the album. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. And that's our show. A massive thank you to Lila Drew for her time. All the Places I Could Be is out now and we've left links in the show notes if you'd like to stream the record. We also want to give a huge shout out to Liv at Positive Feedback for helping out with today's interview. If you like this show, please subscribe wherever you get your pods and stay up to date when new episodes are released. We release new shows each Wednesday and Friday morning and we now have a Patreon, which you can find within the show notes of this episode. You can follow the playlist profile on Spotify and you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook and TikTok. Until next week. Cheers. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.